This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. The Bank of England confirmed that its emergency bond buying scheme aimed at helping troubled pension funds following the British government's chaotic mini-budget would end on Friday as planned. The bank's assurance came after a report in the Financial Times had indicated a possible extension, contradicting comments made by Andrew Bailey, the bank's governor. The pound once again tumbled against the dollar and yields on British 30-year bonds rose to fresh highs. President Joe Biden said that he doubted Russia would use a tactical nuclear weapon in Ukraine, and NATO once again confirmed that it had seen no changes to the Kremlin's nuclear posture. NATO defence ministers will meet in Brussels on Wednesday to discuss providing more military aid to Ukraine after a brutal Russian bombardment on Monday. On Tuesday, the G7, a group of rich democracies, pledged their financial, humanitarian, military, diplomatic and legal support to Ukraine for as long as it takes. Mr Biden will re-evaluate America's relationship with Saudi Arabia after the kingdom's decision to reduce oil production, a White House official said. Last week, the Saudi-led OPEC-plus block of petroleum producers announced it would cut output by 2 million barrels per day, despite sky-high prices. Mr Biden is reportedly considering retaliatory measures such as curbing arms sales and stripping OPEC members of immunity to American antitrust laws. The Polish operator of the Druszba pipeline, which carries oil from Russia to Europe, said that a leak it detected was likely to have been caused by an accident rather than sabotage. Nevertheless, the discovery will add to growing concerns about Europe's energy security, coming after explosions caused leaks in two other pipelines, Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2. Brookfield Renewable Partners, a clean energy investor, and Cameco, a uranium fuel supplier, said they would acquire Westinghouse Electric, an American nuclear power firm, in a $7.9 billion deal. The energy crisis in Europe and soaring oil prices have sparked renewed interest in nuclear power. Tim Gitzel, Cameco's boss, said the sector is witnessing some of the best market fundamentals we've ever seen. America's Supreme Court declined to assess whether fetuses count as legal persons by turning away an appeal to a ruling made in Rhode Island in May. In that case, two pregnant women tried to bring claims on behalf of their unborn children against the law that codified abortion rights in the state. Such fetal personhood cases are expected to increase. A male brown bear, known as 747, won Fat Bear Week, a competition run by Katmai National Park in Alaska to identify which animal put on the most weight to prepare for hibernation. 747, who weighs an estimated 635 kilograms, received 68,105 online votes, more than his rival in the final, a female called 901, who pulled in 56,876. And fact of the day, 49.7%. The estimated share of German companies that cannot secure enough skilled workers, up from 30% in 2019. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Vladimir Putin, the Russian president waging war on Ukraine, is among the heads of state who will gather in Astana, Kazakhstan's capital, on Wednesday. 
The leaders are meeting for the Conference on Interaction and Confidence Building Measures in Asia, SICA, an international forum that ostensibly promotes peace and security in its region. SICA's 27 member states, which include China and India, cover much of the Middle East and Asia. Kazakhstan's president, Kasim Zomart Tokayev, hopes to use this meeting to bolster SICA's international relevance. As well as Mr. Putin, the presidents of 10 other countries, including Recep Tayyip Erdogan of Turkey and Ebrahim Raisi of Iran, will attend. The heads of some attending countries, including Mr. Tokayev, are allies of Mr. Putin, but skeptical of his war in Ukraine. Discussions of the conflict are thus likely to be shunted to the sidelines. Mr. Putin may meet Erdogan, who hopes to broker talks between Russia and the West. But the sight of one member state firing missiles at its smaller neighbor, Ukraine is one of Sika's observer members, hardly inspires confidence in Sika's peace-building mission. Hong Kong's Dim Sum Bonds Thanks to China's strict quarantine rules, few mainland tourists cross into semi-autonomous Hong Kong to sample the city's delights, including its tasty dim sum restaurants serving small dishes and tea. But mainlanders are snapping up a different kind of Hong Kong fare. Bonds, denominated in the mainland's currency, but issued in the city's international market, which stands outside China's capital controls. These securities, nicknamed dim sum bonds, are popular with mainland buyers because they offer slightly higher yields than equivalent onshore assets, and they are attractive to sellers because, thanks to rising interest rates in America, it is now cheaper to borrow in the yuan than the dollar. China's government will itself sell another 5.5 billion yuan, $770 million worth of bonds on Wednesday. As an international financial center, Hong Kong benefits from this turnover. The sale thus serves two purposes. It helps the mainland by raising money for it, and it helps Hong Kong by raising money in it. America's Contentious National Monuments On Wednesday, President Joe Biden is expected to declare federal protection for the first national monument of his presidency, at Camp Hale High in Colorado's Rocky Mountains. During the Second World War, the Army's 10th Mountain Division learned to ski and rock climb there before being deployed to the European Alps. It will be the 159th area designated as such by a president. The move is probably intended to boost Michael Bennett, a Democratic senator who has fought to preserve the site before the midterm elections. It will also anger Western Republicans, who view national monuments, on which activities such as drilling, mining, logging, and grazing are restricted, as federal overreach. In August, Republicans in Utah sued the Biden administration for rolling back Donald Trump's decision to reduce in size two monuments there. If that case makes it to the Supreme Court, justices may consider the scope of the Antiquities Act, 
which allows presidents to designate vast monuments. Until then, their number looks set to rise. Sinn Féin's Vision for Ireland On Wednesday evening, Sinn Féin, a political party which wants the reunification of Ireland, will hold its inaugural People's Assembly in Belfast. The event is the first in its Commission on the Future of Ireland campaign to gather opinions from across the island. Polls in Northern Ireland mostly show support for Irish unity, far behind that for keeping Northern Ireland in the United Kingdom. In May, Sinn Féin became Northern Ireland's largest political party, but still took just 29% of the vote. In the Republic of Ireland, the party could do well enough in the next general election, in 2025, to lead the next governing coalition. Despite this, and the party's pledge that the commission will engage with Protestants, Loyalists, and Unionists, Wednesday's event is likely to see a few hundred Republicans mostly talking to each other. Persuading voters to switch parties is hard. Getting them to switch countries is even harder. And for many people on both sides of the border, Sinn Féin's violent history makes the party off-putting. Warhol's Copyright Battle A First Amendment creativity quarrel arrives at America's Supreme Court on Wednesday. The case pits a photographer, Lynn Goldsmith, against the Andy Warhol Foundation for the Visual Arts, AWF, which controls the late artist's estate. In 1981, Miss Goldsmith took a photograph of Prince, a musician, Three years later, Vanity Fair, a magazine, licensed the black-and-white image from Miss Goldsmith and commissioned Andy Warhol to use it as the basis of Purple Prince, a colorful screen print. Warhol eventually made 16 Prince images in various colors. When Prince died in 2016, the AWF Foundation licensed Orange Prince to Condé Nast, which owns Vanity Fair without informing or paying Miss Goldsmith. Allowing such appropriation, Miss Goldsmith says, amounts to all copying, no right, and would decimate creators' livelihoods. The foundation counters that Warhol's prints pass the transformativeness test and fall under an exception to copyright known as fair use. A narrowing of this exemption would have implications for copyright throughout the art world. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Wednesday which Motown singer was backed by the Miracles? Tuesday. Which character is coach to Adonis Creed in the boxing films Creed and Creed II?
Finally, here's the quote of the day from Luciano Pavarotti, who was born on this day in 1935. If children are not introduced to music at an early age, I believe something fundamental is actually being taken from them. That's the world in brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.